Well, if you've been around the last few weeks, you know that starting in January, we kind of kicked off this yearly theme at Hope called Roots and Renewal. Roots and Renewal. And a lot of times we need to get our bodies involved to remember these things. And if you've been around, uh, you might remember a little, uh, some actions that I told you to remember. Do you remember what those are? A little quiz. Show me if you know what they are. Just do them. Okay, three of you. Okay, we're going to review then. Okay, we're going to remember this, all right? Roots and renewal. We put our roots down in God's love. He brings the love and the joy and the freedom that we experience, right? So everybody say it with me. Roots Roots. and renewal. Renewal. Do it by yourself now. Roots and renewal. Oh, I don't believe you. Try it again. Ready? One, two, three. Roots. There you go. Nice job. Nice job. You'll remember it now, right? You'll be walking around at work. Tell tell them your pastor told you to do it. Finding our roots is about getting back to the basics, back to the way that God created us. It's about putting first things first. Everybody say first things first. We think about that a lot in January. A lot of us have made and now broken our New Year's resolutions probably, but this is one it needs to be a part of our days every single day. Where, where is God, where is your relationship with God on your list of priorities this year? Because here's the thing. You want to know something funny about Iowa besides the weather? I think it has an identity crisis, right? Um, but something also funny about Iowa? Us, Right? There's two things that I know about people from Iowa, and I think I can say this because I moved to Iowa when I was eight weeks old, so I consider this as my home, even though I was born in Minnesota. But the same could be true of Minnesotans as the same that's true of Iowans. Number one is we're really, really nice. Would you agree with that? Most people in Iowa are really nice, right? You don't meet a lot of mean people. And yeah, exactly. You You can praise God for whatever you want today, okay? And the second thing is this. For the most part, we're for God. All of us are for God, right? We're, we're, we're fans of God. We're, 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 uh, we're for God. We're for the church. We're for Jesus. We're for children's ministry, bringing our kids up in the faith. We're for small groups. We're for Bible studies. We're for serving. And yet, one of the struggles is that for some of us, well, we just don't have time, you know, to get personally involved in a lot of those things. We would like to, and we always tell ourselves, and someday we will. I just want to start out by asking this morning, when is that day for you? When is that day for you? When's, when's someday coming? So what's your plan? As we start a new year, what, what's your plan? And I want to challenge you a little bit while we're still in January here. What's Where is your relationship with God on your list of priorities in in 2014? Where is is weekly worship? Where is life group? Where is prayer? Where is serving outside of yourself on that list? Are they just items on a long list of opportunities, or are they non-negotiables? And I know some of you might say, gee whiz, John, way to get our attention. Just, you know, throw it down and just lay it down here. And I know, in a lot of ways, I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm also preaching to myself, because I wrestle with this too. 
Where is God on your list of priorities? God said, this is how I wired you up. I I created you to be able to worship me weekly. I created you to be in community. I created you to live in a constant connection with me through prayer. Not as a list of oughtas or shoulds, not items on a checklist, but because they are your life source. They are your life source. And so my question for you this morning as we start is, what's standing in the way for you? What's standing in the way for you? And there's a couple things that get me passionate more than anything else. Two things. Number one, that the Hawkeyes are in the top ten for the first time in a decade. (laughs) And number two, to be a pastor that always, always challenges you to put God first. Amen? Amen? I wouldn't be doing my job as a pastor if I didn't challenge you in this way. As Iowans, we're for God. But a lot of times we just don't have time. Or it's a once a week thing. And so I want to challenge you to put your roots down and that's that's when you're going to experience that renewal. That's my challenge for you on this last week of January. So if you get it, say, got it. it. Good. Hey, uh, if you got your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm off my soapbox now. Well, I'll get back on it, right? Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We've been going through these commandments. We're in this series called God's Big Ten. And no, we're not talking about the Big Ten Conference. We're talking about God's commandments, not as rules, uh, but as boundaries, as as gifts that are meant to bring us life. We're going to do a little quiz this morning. We've been uh, rattling off some of these one-liners, easier ways to remember these. I'm not going to ask you to memorize all of Scripture, but we'll be coming up with these short little phrases every single week to help you remember these. The very first commandment, you remember how we've been saying that? That's number two. That's close, right? How about put God first, right? Everybody say, put God first. Put God first first. It's just what we were talking about, about roots and renewal. Number two is Andy talked about the importance of God's name and how he's holy, and we call that don't mess with God's name. Everybody say, don't mess with God's name. I'm just going to write don't mess because I'm pretty gangster like that, right? Don't mess, right? Last week, we talked about the importance of rest, and basically the command is just receive it as a gift and get some rest. Everybody say, get some rest. Get some rest. So now, you've been, now you see them. Okay, this is the big board. Put God first. Don't mess with God's name. Get some rest. Okay. What's the first commandment? What's the first commandment? What's the first commandment? What's the second commandment? What's the second commandment? What's the first commandment? What's the third commandment? What's the second commandment? Some of you are totally into this, and some of you, uh, right? Right? You'll get it. You'll get it. I want you to remember that, though. It's important that we don't just get through the Bible, but we let the Bible get through us. And if you look at this, the top three in God's commandments, and we're going to go all the way down here to number 10. But if you look at it, the way that God has set it up is that these first three commandments are all about our relationship with God. They are about, I guess we could say, a vertical relationship. And we want to get that relationship tight and close and centered and rooted and grounded in our identity in God. And the next seven concern with our relationship with 
others. And so we're going to start to move into, especially today, a more of a horizontal relationships. The first three are us and God. The next seven are basically us and them. And God knew what he was doing because he knew if we didn't get this relationship, right, then we don't have anything to offer in these relationships because you can't give away what you don't have. You can't give away what you don't have. You can only lead people where you've already been yourself. You can only reproduce who you are. And that could not be truer of our next item on God's Big Ten countdown number four. Are you in Ephesians? Ephesians chapter six. It was read for us this morning. Let's look at it starting in verse one. So we're on to commandment number four. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, is quoting from the book of Exodus when the Ten Commandments were first given. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Do you know that? Verse 3, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. It's not rocket science, right? Things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. And parents... Are there any parents? If there's any parents, just go, whoop! Woo! All right, so there's a few of you here. Uh, parents, I know what you're thinking. <sighs> Enough of this stuff. Let's get to number four, baby. Now to the good stuff. Time to lay it on those disobedient kids that are up in KQ right now, and I can just sit back and let the preacher man justify everything that I have ever felt or wanted to do as a parent. Here we go, command number four. It's an old joke, but here's a way to remember it. The fourth commandment is for kids, right? And, and, and you know, we need to honor our parents, honor your father and mother. And so then the kids ask, okay, which command is for the adults? That's next week, number five, do not murder, right? So that's a good way... It's a good way to remember it, right? Everybody gets their fair share. You see how it goes both ways? Honor your father and mother. Don't kill your kids, okay? Now you won't forget. Four or five. Four or five, right? But before any of you parents or anyone, even without young kids in the home, your kids have grown up and gone away, you don't only really think of yourself as a parent anymore. Before you write off this message and say, well, it's not really... For me, I want you to think about it a little deeper. For most of us, we have all grown up, I, I think, well, except a few of you, we've all grown up from acting like kids. But at what age, just, I'm just wondering, at what age did you stop being a son or daughter? Never, right? We never stop being children. That is an identity that we, no matter what that was like for you, that is an identity that we carry with us through all of life. We will always be kids, no matter how old we get. So maybe the command to honor your father and mother never leaves us. Just like all the other commands, we never graduate. We never grow out of it. So if we look a little bit deeper into the heart of this command, we'll see that it's much deeper than just parents and kids getting along. Maybe you've asked yourself, you know, why does God make such a big deal out of this whole parent-child relationship thing? I mean, I can see, like, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, you know, those sorts of things. Like, those are, those are bigger deals, but why is it number four? It's way up there, right? It's like God's 
thought process. He's like, man, these are, these are pretty big things. These are all about me and how I've created you. And the very first relationship that God's concerned about is the parent-child relationship. Why does God make such a big deal out of this? Well, it's important that we go back to the covenant that God made with his people that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And if you remember, I drew a triangle, and I'm going to draw that again because this has a direct implication for this command today. God makes this covenant with his people. With us, he he promises and he says, I will be your father. This is how I'm setting up the world. I will be your father. I will protect you. I will provide for you. You will be my people, and that is going to be your identity. You are loved. You are my sons and daughters. I am giving you an identity. Because I am your father, you are my sons or daughters. And knowing that my identity is loved unconditionally, knowing that God wants the very best for me, how could I not, as a son or daughter, want to be obedient? And this is where obedience comes in. How could I not want to be obedient and love and respect them in return? It's I get to obey, not I have got to obey, or I should obey, but I want to obey. God wired up the world in such a way that the ideal parent-child relationship is one where there is a loving father and mother that through their love and unconditional love, they give sons and daughters an identity, and out of that identity, we're obedient, and we respect them in return. And speaking of the command to honor your parents, sometimes we get this twisted and we go the other way around. There was a story I heard. There was a pastor doing a children's message in front of the whole church, in front of a huge church, and all the kids were up in front. And he asked all the boys and girls, so this is the fourth command, honor your father and mother. What does that mean? And this eager little boy, which we have a few of here at Hope Des Moines, this eager little boy raised his hand and just blurted out in front of the, the entire church, Well, for me, it means that I better do what my parents say or they'll kill me. (laughs) And somehow I don't think that's what God had in mind. Because he's going backwards around the triangle, isn't he? He's starting here with compliance. He's starting here with obedience, which is the worst motivator. Do as you're told. Never mind how the parent is treating the child. Compliance is the chief motivator instead of knowing that we're loved. God says, I will be my father and you will be my, I will be your father, you will be my children. I love you, therefore honor me. This is how the relationship was created to work. Not only in a spiritual sense, but God, God says, I'm giving you a glimpse of what your earthly relationships were meant to be. God says, parents, look to me. God says, children, look to me for how it's meant to be. But to be honest, some of you are looking at this and saying, oh, Pastor John, that's a pretty little chart, but you are so far off. You are living in la-la land because we all know that real life is not like that at all. This is a great parenting strategy, Pastor John, but you know what things look like in my house? Right? Something like that, right? It's 
a tsunami. It's a blizzard, right? Just to be honest, some of you are looking at that saying, yeah, right, in your dreams. What kind of a fantasy world are you living in? Because we all know that that's not necessarily the way that it always is. I have to share with you this funny story. I was in the, the grocery store the other day, and I'm just walking along, minding my business, taking my time, and all of a sudden, this like eight or nine-year-old boy just comes running past me with a wad of grapes in his hand right? And then about three seconds later, I'm assuming it was his brother about that same age, comes whizzing past me with grapes in his hand. And they're just running by and I can tell that they're chasing each other. And then about a minute later comes their exhausted mom with an infant strapped to her, pushing the full grocery cart going, and she's boys, boys. And you know, like parents, you never just say, come here, right? You never just say, Stop, right? You, parents, you turn into an auctioneer. Come here, come here, come here. Stop, 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 stop. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. And that's what she was doing. She was just chasing after him. All of a sudden, she catches up to these two little boys with huge, huge wads of grapes, right, in their hands. And she says, boys, stop it. And I'm not kidding. I couldn't have scripted any better. Simultaneously, the two boys look at their mom with the wads of grapes and just throw it right in her face. Not funny. Not funny. I wanted to take him out and show him who's boss after that, right? And all of you, I'm sure, have stories like that. Stories where this whole setup that God put to work in the universe is not exactly the way it is. And for a lot of you, those are painful. And for a lot of you, they're just things that, you know, looking back now, I'm sure you all have stories where you can laugh at that. Because the truth is, even the best parents and even the most well-intended kids, well, we don't always function the way that God intended. And yet we'd be mistaken. Here's the difference, though. We'd be mistaken if the disagreements and the tension and the broken relationships ended after we left home. Because how does the phrase go? I think wherever you are, There you are. Pretty profound, huh? We carry with us the influences of our childhood, however long that was for you, under your parents' roof, if that ever was the case. We carry those with us. And if we never unpack those things, they will stay a part of our lives. You carry it with you, positive or negative. Some of you have great relationships with your parents and praise God for that. Cherish them. But for some of you, if we're honest, you are not looking forward to this topic. Because the phrase, honor your parents, that doesn't really mean anything anymore. If we're honest, right? Ideal world. Real world. The reality is we live in a broken world where unfortunately we have been impacted by mothers and fathers who have been distant or maybe unavailable or maybe even hurtful, and maybe you've been that parent. Or maybe it's a disrespectful, rebellious, hurtful child, and maybe you've been that child. We live in a broken world where even the best parents and the best kids make mistakes because we're human. As was the case with our friend Ray Kinsella, And even though it's in the dead of winter, spring training is coming soon, so I thought we could use a little pick-me-up. 
and get a glimpse of baseball season that's coming. You might remember the film Field of Dreams, and you think it's about baseball. I think we'll learn differently. And so Ray, played by Kevin Costner, goes through this entire movie, goes through his whole life with a strained relationship with his father. And his dad dies, and so the whole movie, he's longing to heal. He's longing to feel that reconnection, but it just gets buried under life's demands. And he starts reflecting on it one night as he's driving home. Let's take a look. And we thought it was about baseball. I don't know, but maybe you can relate. The parent-child relationship is at the center of the movies that we love. It's at the center of so many stories and scripture. And it's at the center of our lives. And maybe for you, this command is super easy because your relationships with your parents and if you are a parent with your child are just clicking on all cylinders. And it's just perfectly going around that triangle. But if you're like most of us, your relationships with your kids or your parents isn't all that God intended it to be. And whether they've passed away and they're not around anymore, whether you haven't talked to them in years, or whether it's, it's okay, but there's still some distance there, there's some separation there, no matter what is the case for you today, there is good news. It's not the end of the story. Even for those who have lost a parent or a child and there's needing healing, forgiveness, and trust and respect that needs to be restored, there is good news. And Jesus comes to us in Luke chapter 19 and he delivers us his mission. He communicates us what he is about on this earth. And let's read this together nice and loud up on the screen. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide. I think we've got this up there. No, we don't? Oh, okay. Well, I'll just read it for you. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. I want you to think about your relationships with your parents and with your kids right now. And I want you to listen to it again through the lens of this verse. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And that includes the relationships that we long for. So as children, no matter what our age, and as parents, no matter what our age, if we are going to live into the fourth commandment, it's important that we go back and discover what is God's original design. What would it look like for both parents and children to live into this command together? Okay, so first of all, what does it look like for us as children? And when I say children, I'm not just talking about like children's ministry age. I'm talking about all of us, right? We're all sons and daughters. And because of that, it's important to realize that depending on our stage of life, honor is going to look very different. To a small child, honor probably means obedience, right? You may not know why, but as a, as a young child, you have to trust that your parents know best. To an adolescent, honor probably looks a little bit more like respect, right? I have common sense now. Well, maybe. Uh, some teenagers do. Not only am I complying, but I realize about my parent that you truly want the best for me. But to adult children, like many of us, honor might mean kindness or dignity or encouragement. For some of you, care for your parents as they age. Just because you reverse roles and you're caring for them more than they care for you doesn't mean that we stop honoring. I'll never forget a story that my mom told me. She's a chaplain 
in a local nursing home with about 180 uh, rooms there. So they have around 200 people at, at any given time in this nursing home in my hometown. And she said there was a woman that was admitted, unfortunately, late in her 60s. And she had a stroke and she never really recovered. And she was pretty much going to be on bed rest. And I don't know about you, but I feel like as a culture, we've moved in this direction where we really lift up youth, but we don't necessarily lift up the elderly. We're the only culture that doesn't treat the elderly with the dignity and the respect that they deserve. I'm not saying we're bad at it. I'm just saying we have room to grow in that. Well, my mom noticed with this, this woman that was admitted, my mom noticed that every single day a younger woman would come to visit her. And every day she brought flowers with her. And after a while, she could, after the woman would go in there, then she would start to hear some quiet piano music being played. She's like, oh, what's this all about? And, and so every day, flowers and then piano music. And so one day my mom goes in to see, and she introduced herself to the younger woman. And the younger woman said, hey, I'm, I'm Emily, and Mary is my mom. And the room is just filled with flowers. And my mom went on to learn that before the stroke, they hadn't talked in years. And only recently before the stroke did they get back in communication. And Emily went on to say that, they, well, during that time, they just kind of grew apart. But one day she realized that it wasn't worth holding on to the pain and the bitterness. And so she decided to give the best gifts she knew how that her mom would appreciate. Mom's favorite flowers geraniums filling her room. And because her mom loved to play the piano but could not play the piano anymore, it was her mom that taught her to play piano. Even though she quit as a teenager, she started to learn again. And every day she would come in and play piano for her mom, something that she used to love. And so my mom asked Emily, the daughter, you know, why the flowers? <laughs> why the piano playing every single day? Why are you doing all this? Most of our residents get visited, you know, maybe once a month, maybe a couple times a year for some of them. Why are you doing all this? And Emily responded, because she's my mom. Because she's my mom. And I forgive her. Some of you are thinking, how in the world can I honor my parents when we don't even get along? I don't even like my parents, let alone love them. How can I honor my parents if I disagree with their decisions or when we've lost contact? No, 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 no John, you don't know my parents, so this command is just really kind of doesn't apply to me. Honoring your parents doesn't mean that you always agree with them. It doesn't mean that you become a doormat and let them walk all over you. In fact, if we dig a little bit deeper, the, the Hebrew word that the root here, the root for honor is kabed. Everybody say kabed. kabed. Say it again, kabed. kabed. Literally means weightiness. Significance, high importance. The same word is used throughout scripture to describe God's glory. Is used to describe in scripture that parent you can't stand. In other words, to honor means treating one's parents with the weight and the significance that their position demands. It's okay to disagree with the person, God says, but honor their position. God says honor them because when you honor them, 
God says, you're honoring me, and you're honoring the position of authority that I have set up. But even more than that, we're called to honor our parents because get this, I know, it's hard to believe. Your parents are children. And if they're children, that means they're children of God. And if they're children of God, that means that they have dignity and value and worth, no matter what they've done. And so when we choose to honor and respect them despite our differences, we're actually offering them the same grace and forgiveness that we've first received from God. We should never wait for perfection in life in others to get in the way of our gratitude. If you wait for perfection to be grateful, you will never be grateful. So what are you waiting for? What does it look like for you to honor your parents today, no matter what age you are? Maybe it's asking them for advice. Maybe it's honoring their experience, asking them to tell you stories about their childhood. Maybe it's giving them the gift of quality time or doing something together that they love. See, for a lot of us, you might have parents that are close geographically, but if you're honest, they are so far away emotionally and spiritually. They might live down the block or 10 minutes away or an hour away, but they could not be more distant in an emotional sense. They're distant in all the things that really matter. And maybe for you today, you have just settled on the fact, John, this is great, but you're still living in la-la land. The farthest a conversation will ever go with one of my parents is sports and the weather. That's it. And maybe how I can improve my parenting. And you've pretty much settled on that fact. Have you ever told them how thankful you are for them? Have you ever truly told your parents what they mean to you? So last Father's Day, I was uh, going to Target and I was thinking uh, about this and um, I was looking for the perfect card and you should have seen everybody's lined up there at the card aisle looking for the perfect card for their dad. And they, is it just me or are cards getting cornier and cornier, right? Just cheese ball, right? I'm trying to find a good card for my dad. I don't want it to be so sappy, but I just kind of want it to be lighthearted, right? Because, you know, guys, we don't really talk about our feelings. Uh. Dads like you are awesome as donuts with sprinkles. And we all know that's really awesome. Happy Father's Day. Oh, dearest father, before you open this card, pause and reflect on the joyous moments that I have provided you with in the past. You could have reflected a little bit longer than that. Oh, well, happy Father's Day right? And so I'm sitting there and I'm going through and I'm reading these cards and I'm like, ugh, nothing's really capturing it. And so I started to thinking, you know, there's got to be more than this. And I, I, I could just write my own, you know, I could just tell my father, just honor him, just tell him what I really think. And so I go home and I just start to write and I, there's no rhyme or reason to it and it just starts to flow. So, Dad, I know that this might seem like another Father's Day, and it doesn't really mean as much as it used to. But I want you to know that it means more than ever. Today, more than ever, I love that you're my dad. I want you to know that I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful that no matter what I did or how difficult that I was at times, you never stopped loving me. I'm thankful that even when I wanted to quit so many things or felt like I'd failed, you never gave up on me. 
I'm thankful that you taught me what it looks like to love a woman, to lead a family, and to raise a son. And I am so thankful for the example that you are that real men aren't afraid to admit their weaknesses. Most of all, I'm thankful that I will always be your son. Love, Jonathan. And I finished the card and I stuck it in the envelope and that was like the best Father's Day (laughs) we've ever had. And I think in that moment, um, seeing my dad read that letter, I think it hit me that maybe honor means a little bit more of that and a little less of this. So what does that look like for you? What would it look like to give your parents the gift that they deserve? What gift could you give that would honor them? Even if they're not still around, maybe you still need to say that to experience that healing. Children, honor your parents. Children, honor your parents. And thus begins something that we call the love and respect cycle. Everybody say love and respect. Love and respect. Because if I'm a parent and I've been respected and I've been honored like that, the most natural thing in the world for me to do is to love my kids. And so we have this perpetual circle that goes around. And we just talked about this idea of honoring our parents. So honor or respect. That's what God calls us to give no matter what. And the most natural thing in the world then is that when I'm a child and I have been loved, I'm naturally going to want to honor and respect my parents. Most of you are thinking, oh, that just relates to marriage. (laughs) But it also applies to the parent-child relationship. It's almost as if God set it up in such a way that when children are living into their calling, parents are then more able to live into their calling and vice versa. And it creates this healthy cycle. So maybe the fourth commandment is not just a biblical billy club (laughs) that frustrated parents can use to force the rebellious children into submission. The parents, you're not off the hook before we leave today. What if the fourth commandment is actually assuming that parents are not waiting around or demanding respect? They're becoming parents who are worth respecting. That they're loving deeply. And that's exactly what Paul's getting at in the second part of our scripture reading today from Ephesians. We read the first part, but don't miss the second part. Verse 4, it says, Fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline instruction that comes from the Lord. In other words, parents, you have a role in making this healthy cycle complete. Be parents worth honoring. Love your kids, even through discipline at times. And discipline is a form of love. Parents, I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to get it off your chest. Get it off my chest and maybe off your chest too, right? Parents, your role is to be their parents, not to always just be their best friend. Your role is to tell them what they need to hear, not just what they want to hear. Even in the midst of their disrespect, your role is to offer them the same love and grace that you don't deserve, that they don't deserve, that we've all received. In fact, the passage, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. That whole, you hear it at, you hear it at uh, weddings all the time. I've used that in so many weddings, and it's an incredible passage. And you think, oh, that's for married couples. And rightly so. But when's the last time that you use that verse and that series of verses as a lens for your parenting? 
Think about right now your relationship with your kids, no matter what the age of your kids, if they're grown, if they're out of the house, no matter what. Just think about your relationship and listen to this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude or easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love always hopes, always perseveres. Paul says we can push our kids to the limit and we can place so many unnecessary expectations on them, but if we don't have love, it's like standing over your child with a gong or clanging cymbals. And it's just a bunch of noise. And that's all they hear if you don't have Love. Parents love your children. Children respect and honor your parents. Live into the healthy cycle that God created. And as we close today, I just know the truth is for many of you, the opposite of this has been the case. (laughs) For whatever reason, the cycle has been reversed as a result of our sin and our brokenness, either from the mistakes that you've made or the mistakes that your parents have made. Because the reverse is true, a lack of love brings a lack of honor and respect. A lack of respect grows bitterness and anger. Even when we do our best, we know that there are no perfect families. Yet the offer of God, our Heavenly Father this morning, is to get reconnected. It's never too late to start being a loving parent, and it's never too late to start being a child who honors. And no one knows that better than Ray. Because the movie that we love, Field of Dreams, does not end with the disconnection. You'll remember one day Ray hears that voice. If you build it, he will come. Who's he? Some famous baseball player? Well, Ray figures out it is a baseball field right there on his farm, and so he builds it, and magically all these great baseball players start to show up, including shoeless Joe Jackson. But what Ray doesn't realize, it was never really about a baseball field. If you build it, he, meaning your father, will come. And he comes back as as a young man himself and in this sort of mythical moment, which I think is very, very real. The father and the son, the parent and the child are reconnected. And as you watch this final scene, you tell me what's stronger than the love of a parent and their child. Let's take a look. I have a feeling that there's a little bit more going on there than a game of catch. No, this is not heaven. But when that relationship, no matter what it takes, is restored, that's when we get a glimpse of heaven on earth. What better way to honor your parent than to offer them the same love and forgiveness that was first given to you? To go back maybe today and invite God to heal what was broken. It's never too late to be a parent who loves and it's never too late to be a child that offers honor. So just in this brief moment, I want you to take out your your bulletin today, and I want you to turn it over to the back. Every single week on the back of your bulletin, there's a little line there that says, my next step. 
And I just want you to take a moment before you rush on with your busy day to answer two questions. Number one, what is God saying to me? And number two, what am I going to do about it? Don't leave the invitation on the table today. God might be saying, it's time to make that call. It's time to write that letter. It's time to send that note. It's time to make that visit. Even if your parent's not around, I think there's still healing that can take place. What's your next step today? Take a moment and be with God. because here's what's going to happen in our church. As we go closer together, we're going to go closer to God. As parents start to live into their calling to love their children deeply, children will live into their calling to honor their parents. It's what makes a healthy community because it's what makes a healthy family. That's how God designed it. What's your next step today? Would you stand and let's pray together?